Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Top, top Corner Hockey Talk uh, with Shane and Dave. We are back at you covering the Metro and the Atlantic Division on this episode. I know if you listened to our first episode, we were going to do a couple of different things, but we missed last week's episode because of some work-related issues. So we've changed it up. We're going to do two divisions this episode, the uh, the Pacific and the Central next episode, and then get into a season preview because the season's around the corner and like rookie camps have started, rookie showcases have started slash ended. Um, main camp for most teams open up on Wednesday with physicals and then on ice uh, start Thursday. So we're right into the thick of like getting right into the, the start of camp for a lot of these teams. Yeah, I'm stoked. I mean, the rookie camps are really fun to watch, but I'm really excited for the preseason because then you start seeing the big boys step on the ice as well, right? So, and uh, yeah, season season's going to start really fast too. Like it's, we're going to be able to actually watch some hockey here and pay attention to stuff and, and stop watching people argue on Twitter over football and we'll be able to get right <laughs> back. We'll be able to get right back in the hockey here. I mean, to be fair, the NFL the last two weeks have been, has been ridiculously crazy uh, with a couple of big comeback wins this week and, and whatnot, but that's not what this this podcast is about. Um, but looking at the calendar, we are entering a month before, like four weeks, um, to the start of the NHL season. Four weeks on Tuesday. I always feel like like we wait so long for season start, even though it's only like, depending on on your team, but it's only like what like six months, maybe not even. But it still feels not like even. it's like a year. Yeah, it still feels like it's a year away every time. Like, but yeah, usually it's April, April, May, June, July. Yeah, about six months. It's about half the year. That's crazy, right? It's but uh, like it goes by so quickly. The fact that we're already in September. And we're so like we're closer to the end of September than we are to the start of September. Like, that's crazy. We, we were just saying how like 2022 just started, but we're almost into 2023. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. And of course, they have to open up the the hockey season right after Canadian Thanksgiving. Seems like a pretty good way to open it up, but they don't have any Canadian matchups. So they're like, hey, we're gonna open it up after Canadian Thanksgiving. None of the players will be able to play because they'll be stuffed with turkey. We'll give them a couple of extra days before they get to play. See, and I find that weird, man. Like the NBA does the Christmas games, right? Um, it, it's not necessarily, not, not, sorry, necessarily an American thing. But if you're gonna open up, like you know, Canadian Thanksgiving, you gotta have some Canadian matchups, like all Canadian matchups. Yeah, and I mean, usually they do because like they usually open up the week before Thanksgiving. But we also we all know that the you know, COVID has really rearranged how the schedule works. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that we're opening up Thanksgiving Tuesday and there's no Canadian matchups, I think, until Thursday. Like, the first two days, there's no Canadian teams, I believe, playing. Um, it's weird. It's weird. Oh, well, it'll be fun. Preseason's coming, too, which is – man, I'm so preseason. Yeah, I mean, preseason's next weekend. Like preseason for some teams, I think start on the twenty fourth. Right, yeah, so I think preseason games start with uh, you got. Uh, I think you got Toronto, Ottawa, Boston, Flyers, Coyotes, and Blues. That'll be on the twenty fourth. Uh, those will be some really good matchups. 
to watch. I mean, particularly the Battle of Ontario start. I like the Bruins and Flyers, uh, Blues and Coyotes. I don't think there's much of a much of a game there, anyways. No, and I mean, realistically, the Sens Maple Leafs doing a traditional, an untraditional split squad game with both of them in uh, Toronto. Um, I'm curious, like. We're gonna we'll probably talk a little bit more about this where we will probably talk about more about this come the Atlantic division, but like Ottawa has one one home game. I haven't had a chance to look through every team's preseason schedule, but I'm pretty sure they're the only one or like one of the few that only has one home preseason game. They get fleeced every year schedule wise. Every year there's a different scheduling fleece. I, I feel like there's something going on. Like they, they want that arena to be empty for most of it. Like for games, like I feel like they're getting ready for because it's the 30th season, so like it makes sense for them to be like, okay, we kind of want a lot of hush hush things, we want to be ready for the home opener. Can't really do that when we have home games going on. We'll give them one home game kind of in the middle so like we can hide things and then put it back out. So I'm curious on what the home opener is going to look like against Boston. I'm going to it, I have tickets for it already. I'm going to be there, it's going to be a ball. Uh, I'm also going to Fan Fest on the 25th, so that should be interesting. Um, but let's let's jump right into the Metro because we can talk about the Sens and the Atlantic for hours. Um, the Metro division has been ruled the division of death. We talked about it a little bit on the first episode. There's been not, like, in retrospect to, like, the Atlantic and even the Pacific, the Metro hasn't had a lot of external movement. I think Carolina, Columbus, and New Jersey are the three teams that have actually like made a splash during the off season. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think New Jersey is going to be a team to watch. I'm excited to see Jack Hughes this year. I really am. He came out of the gates. Like when he first started his, his career, a little slow and people were really quick to call him a bus, just like they do with Lafayette. But he's really, really developing into something that's going to be crazy to watch. He was fun last year. This year's going to be super fun to watch. And then you got Columbus. Like you said, you got, you got Patrick Lane and, and Goudreau and, it's going to be a crazy – it's it's going to be a fun division to watch. I always found it to be uh, one of the lower-scoring divisions. Um, good goaltending in the division, that's why. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to come down to goaltending. I think you have your cream of your crop in terms of – Oh. I'm so confused. Um, oh, those are rookie games, I think. What are you checking out? I checked out the NHL schedule, and it's just like, here's a bunch of games in October. I was really confused. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think that division, like you look at who, like goaltending-wise, I'm not going to lie, I think there's really only one player, like one goalie tandem, or two goalie tandems that I like look at, and I'm like, this this scares me, and that's New York and Carolina. Yeah, I think the Islanders probably got the better of the of the duo. I mean, Rangers have a good, pretty good goaltender coming up as well. So, yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you have Ovechkin in, in Washington with like no, um, no Nicholas Backstrom. You have Crosby, Malkin, who resigned surprisingly. I think a lot of people were expecting him to dip out of Pittsburgh. Tang, uh, Tang's back. This division in my opinion, is either boom or bust. It's either going to be going to be like last year where there's like five, four teams in the running all year. You're going to have your top four with, you know, Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh, Washington, and then everyone else. 
or it's going to be one of those divisions where it's going to go right down to the wire and it's going to be like five teams all within like five points of each other. It's going to be a fun division. Uh, yeah, honestly, I can see I can see New Jersey squeaking in. So I can see it like this: Carolina or New York, probably New York in the first, Carolina second. Uh, then you're probably going Washington third. Then you're gonna have Pittsburgh, New York, Columbus, and New Jersey probably all fighting for a spot, and Philly dragging a little too far behind. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty clear that Philly shouldn't be a team to worry about. I mean, they still have pieces like Couturier, Konechny, Atkinson. Like they short out, like they should have Ryan Ellis back on defense. They still have Carter Hart in net. Like they have the pieces, but they've been so underwhelming the last two years that like you can't sit here and say that. Philly is a bona fide playoff contender or even a playoff hopeful right now. Yeah, I, I think other teams in the division have a little more uh, a little more swagger, a little more uh, offensive power, a little better goaltending, just a little bit better everything that they won't be able to really keep up, unfortunately. Agreed. And honestly, like even Washington, Darcy Kemper, I don't know how you feel about him. Personally, I think he's overrated. I don't think he's the goalie of, like, I don't think he's going to be the goalie that Washington thinks he is or he will be. So that's a storyline I'm interested in in watching develop over the first couple of months, like, because you'll really see where he is. And that's a long-term contract for, for someone who's been average for most of his career. Yeah, and I don't think it's to the extent of, of, of Matt Murray, but I think it's he's kind of a victim of the same thing where he has a really good team playing in front of him, and he, he stole some games, and he had some confidence and all that other fun jazz, but ultimately when he played on an average team, you know, fumbled. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how he does in Washington. I think he'll be okay. Uh, I, I think he'll – I don't think he'll be a superstar. I don't think he'll be – but you probably wanted to be top three goalies in the division. I think, honestly, Colorado really shielded him really well. Like, McCarr was brilliant, right? Like, they have a really good defensive core up in Colorado that really made him look good. Yeah, I mean, that pairing of McCarr and Taves is probably one of the better pairings in the NHL, um, which is crazy to say because, like, Makar is ridiculously good defensively. Like you look at him and you're like, oh, he's not that good defensively. And then you look at his numbers and you're like, he's a lot better defensively. And like Taves is a lot better offensively than like people think he is. But overall, like I got to ask you this question. Hmm. If you're looking at this division, you look at New York, the Islanders with the, their big splash was bringing in Alexander Romanoff from, uh, from, Montreal what kind of like what do you expect from this division in terms of any kind of upsets so the problem with the Islanders is Romanoff to me was never really great uh again we haven't really seen his potential like he played in Montreal but he hasn't played very long so it's not like we'll really be able to tell where that goes he might turn out to be a really good player we'll know but um the potential for a really good um, story to me would probably be New Jersey. I think like they're going to be the team that might be able to come come into the division and you know pound the crap out of some teams and 
look really good. Like I said, they got really a lot of young players. Again, they remind me a lot of Ottawa in a sense of uh, they had really good players that took strides last season, and they just fell really short of the playoff um, the playoff line. But if they can take another step forward this year, I think they can really do some damage in the division. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to Vanacek and Blackwood on like how does that tandem stack up with the rest of the division? New Jersey was 27, 46, and 9 with 63 points. You know, that's, you know, 18 points below Columbus, who finished sixth in that division. New Jersey taking that kind of step would be massive. I mean, New Jersey's fan base is huge. And, how, like, a good New Jersey team is is important to the NHL, in my opinion. I, I know New Jersey gets crapped on a lot for, like, being in New Jersey. But they still are an important fan base. But personally, like my my biggest story is is going to be Pittsburgh. It's it's going to be Jari. Can he stay in form as he was last year? You know, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. You know, especially especially Malkin and Latang just resigned. You know, can they stay healthy and can they produce when healthy? You know, I think Crosby's earned the de- benefit of the doubt, right? Like he's earned that you know, unquestionable, like he's going to produce one healthy. So yeah. So Crosby's always been a fire player, man. I mean, he, he does a lot of entries at the beginning of his career, but he's like, he's really come out of that pretty well. And Malkin is a huge question mark. Um, I understand why they re-signed Malkin just to, it's kind of like, a, uh, you know, we love you kind of type deal. You've been here with us for so long. We're going to give you that money. But honestly, I was surprised that Pittsburgh, you know, signed him again because like he he can't play a full season without getting hurt and and with new jersey i was gonna say blackwood needs to stay healthy too like he's had injury issues as well right so yeah there's a lot of older guys right in this division but um like ovechkin ovechkin's a big monster on skates but i mean his body has to eventually be like all right we can't be doing this anymore at some point you know something's gonna hurt (laughs) Yeah, and, and like Washington, like no Backstrom, right? Like I know they uh, they tried Huge to replace loss. him, like, but it's Backstrom. You can't necessarily replace that kind of production and like what he means to the team. So that's also another interesting storyline. Um, and and I got another question. It's gonna sound stupid. No stupid questions. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Islanders. Teams that didn't really make a lot of moves this, this summer. You know, arguably Pittsburgh might have actually gotten worse with trading Marino. Two of those three teams. Those finished three, two, five, and Washington and Pittsburgh were miles ahead of the, the Islanders. Out of those three teams, which two do you feel comfortable saying? have a legitimate chance at making the playoffs based off current roster projections. Rangers and Pittsburgh Rangers, they're young, they're good. They're fast. Goaltending is good. Uh, and I can, you can never bet against Crosby. It's really hard to bet against Crosby. Yeah. Like I think, think, I think the Islanders are going to, are going to finish worse than like they're going to finish in the bottom of the, the division, in my opinion. They, like, <laughs> unless unless Sorokin and Varlamov can become some like Craig uh, Craig Jennings winning goalie tandem, and like 
just both be in the Vesna conversation or one of them be in the Vesna conversation, the other one be a really good backup. And for some reason, Pajot becomes a 40 goal scorer again. And Anders Lee hits, becomes an 80 point guy. Like everything for me is pointing the Islanders as dead last, which is weird because like bet nine, nine feels pretty calm. Like the, they have them at like, I think plus, or minus one forty one to make the playoffs. They feel pretty comfortable of them making the playoffs. I mean, not much has changed from last year, and they didn't make it last year. I, I don't know. It, it, I feel like they have good goaltending, average D, average forwards. Yeah, and I think it's clear that Lamorello has created a certain style of play that you know there's no trots. So maybe things will be different. Maybe things will be a little bit more offensive now. You know, see if Barzell breaks out. But this roster who stayed the same a lot from last year, there's no real, like, optimism. Like, if I'm an Islanders fan, I'm looking at this team like, huh, we missed the playoffs by a lot. Not as much as others, but still by quite a bit. And we did nothing. We didn't. We brought in Romanov, but we didn't do anything else, really. Were you surprised with Trotz? With them moving on from trots? Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I was kind of like, huh. Like, I think it was one of those situations where the guy they hired, uh, it was one of those cases, I can't remember his name, um, but he was a coach for a while. Like, So to me, it was a bit of a weird one. Like, trots was a proven, proven head coach. He was good. Um, this system may not have worked in New York, but with a coach like that, you would think like, Hey, you know what? It hasn't been working for a few years. We haven't really done much. So let's just trust his system and let's move some players and go get some players that can play for trots. Yeah, I think. So it was Lane Lambert who replaced him. Um, and he's been coaching for a while. Like he's been an assistant coach for for quite some some time um let me just find out because i know he there's reports of him being potentially in for other coaching jobs um and it might have been a situation where like they didn't want to lose him and trots being the age that he is they're like, you know what, you're it's easier to let you go than it is to let this, you know, this guy go because he's 57. He has another like decade plus of coaching. When you look at Barry Trotz, you're probably like, huh. Unfortunately, you might not have that many years left of coaching. Uh, and he's worked under Trotz since 2011 with Nashville. Hmm. So maybe this was the plan all along. Maybe maybe there was this plan all along where Trost was going to come in for a couple of seasons. He was going to bring in, you know, help grow Lambert to be the next coach. And maybe it was just this is how things were going to go. Like, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, he's, he was with Nashville until he was fired, like until Trotz left. He then went to Washington and then went to New York with Trotz. So he's worked under yeah. Trotz for over a decade. So it's going to be a similar system one way or another. Most likely. May, yeah. With his own style type deal. Huh. Yeah. It's like, 
not NHL related, kind of. You see uh, Jacques Martin signing with the Kingston Frontenacs, former Pittsburgh and Ottawa Senators coach. Yeah, and Montreal coach. And that's right, Montreal coach. Yeah. Uh, honestly, cool. I'm not shocked. I think he's a guy that like he was linked by mostly fans. I know there were some media people who were kind of on board, but when he was fired, um, what team was he fired? Because he was fired from a team. I can't remember exactly what team it was. Um, I'm very surprised that like he didn't take an assistant position, <clears throat> excuse me, in either Montreal or Ottawa, assuming they would have offered him a contract. But it's Jacques Martin. The guy is brilliant. He's been around for so long. He's a great hockey mind. He's and every player that you've ever heard talk about him loved him. Yeah, and I mean, I I'm shocked that he, yeah. So he was fired after last season, um, from the Rangers. He didn't play. He was there. For for one year and then moved out he's been an assistant since 20 like 2013 14 with pittsburgh that's yeah. crazy maybe, he's maybe, been he's, a head maybe, coach. maybe he's like you know what i've made my money i've made my stamp in the nhl let's go to these younger guys and try and mold some good players into becoming nhlers yeah i mean it could literally just been a case of like hey we're gonna do this I keep forgetting that he's from ottawa yeah yeah he's from the ottawa like i keep region. forgetting that he's from the ottawa area um, but I don't know. I feel like he, it was one of those things where like a lot of people wanted him when he was like, when he was let go, like, Oh, come in, replace, you know, um, I'm so bad with names when I need to remember their names. <laughs> um, Capuano take care of the defense, help shore up the defense. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm not sure to the extent of his role with Kingston. It sounds like he's not a coach. He's like a, he's a management role or something. Like he's an advisor. Yeah. I think is what it was. Um, so that allows him to kind of most likely take a back, like a step back a little bit versus like, um, like being at the rink every day. I would assume maybe possibly. Have you seen his uh, his DB picture? Yeah, that stash, <laughs> the, the giant mustache. Man, he he wore that well, eh? Yeah, he wore that stash he, real good. Yeah, but he's he's sixty nine. Yeah, he's a senior advisor. So uh, I'm assuming that's got to be an old picture. Then. <laughs> oh yeah, um, but no, he he joined the staff as a senior advisor. Um, doesn't actually say what his role exactly will be. So he's a senior advisor for both the coaching and management teams. But outside of that, there's really nothing added to that. So who knows what's going on with that? (laughs) Well, it'll be fun to watch, uh, to watch Kings in this year. Yeah. I mean, no, like, Noctane being part of it and like Ottawa, the Ottawa Kingston rivalry is always a good one, especially without Belleville. It's kind of gained a lot Shit. recently. But so ah, back to the NHL, back to the NHL. Back to the NHL. We'll probably talk about a little bit about OHL during the season. Um, honestly, the Metro is one of those divisions, like just looking at it and like thinking about like, man, this division just it's boring. 
I'm not even gonna lie. Uh, like, I, yeah, I was gonna like, say this, that earlier. This this division is like vanilla. <laughs> it's so top heavy. Like you have Carolina and New York, and then you have like two hopefuls in like New Jersey and and Columbus, and one's closer to being a hopeful than the other. Then you have the Islanders who seem like they don't even know what they're doing. You have Philly who's expected to be like the bottom of the barrel. And then you have the old geezer club. Like you, you have the, the geriatric tour in Pittsburgh and Washington. And you're like, <laughs> I kind of want to see them lose, but I also kind of want to see them win. And you're like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like they're doing moves, but they're, they're not really doing moves. I'm actually really excited to see Connor McMichael this year. Like that guy is going to be a stud. He's going to be should really be good. Him and uh, Hendricks Lapierre should be interesting to, to watch. Which one, if not Studs. both, kind of make the yeah. kind of make the jump fully. Um, but but I was going to say that division is vanilla, man. It, I know every time. I, I'm sorry to anybody whose team is from the Metro. In that division, love, yeah, like I love you guys. Phenomenal players and everything. But when you look at all four divisions, I just see this one as very it's the vanilla. most boring. But yet, it's most likely going to be the most competitive. Yeah, well, true, but uh, you know when you get metropolitan ice cream, they're the vanilla. Like no one's ever going to eat them. Like that's kind of how I feel with it. That's fair. Yo, metropolitan <laughs> ice cream slaps. Like it is such an underrated I, ice cream. Like, bro, I it, it works at my house because a lot the wife loves strawberry. I love vanilla because I'm old, and the little guy loves <laughs> chocolate. So we all have our own little. I division. love strawberry ice cream. Like <laughs> strawberry ice cream is is peak not even gonna lie i love strawberry ice cream <laughs> okay well the metro is not strawberry ice cream no you know what is strawberry ice cream the atlantic the atlantic the we're gonna atlantic. take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about the atlantic division um because the atlantic division is going to be the most probably the most exciting division in the nhl this year may not be the most competitive it's going to be the most exciting to watch there's a lot of storylines in this division comparatively to to the metro so we're going to take a quick break when we're back we're going to talk about the atlantic and we're going to have a lot to talk about because well there's a lot to talk about And we're back. Uh, thank you, Bet99, for sponsoring uh, our show and thir- uh, and 13th Man as a whole. Uh, remember to follow our sign-up link um, down in the description if you're listening to this on a podcast. Uh, and you can also sign up using 13th Man Sports 1 as a sign-up code. Um, we're going to jump right into the Atlantic because, like, god damn, this division just keeps on getting juicier and juicier every day and like they had six of the top they had four of the top six teams in the conference last year they had three teams separated by two points and then they had montreal um <laughs> like montreal is that like the only important thing about montreal was that they named dick suzuki 
captain and announced that they have, will be wearing RBC patches um, on their jerseys. And you know what? We're actually going to talk about that real quick. What's I was going to say, let's talk. Oh, okay. your so, opinion on this? So here's here's my opinion, okay? So European leagues honestly look like, like the back of a bumper with a thousand stickers. But they also need that money from those sponsors to stay competitive with other European leagues. NHL, the NHL stands out on its own. I don't think that we'll ever get to that. And people are like, oh, it's a slippery slope. But but we're not competing with that league. We don't need all those ads. I think a couple ads here and there is not the end of the world. It's revenue. And and you, you want the salary cap to go up? Well, this is one of the ways to make more money for it, right? So my thoughts are this. The players aren't going to get any worse. It's not going to affect the game. No one's going to be like, oh, I couldn't see. I was distracted by this guy's patch on his jersey. It affects absolutely no part of the game in any shape or form. It makes money for the NHL. So to me, I, I couldn't care less. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't care. They've been doing it in the AHL for a while. You know, Belleville, and, like, Belleville has the CAA patch on their jersey. Laval has the St. Hubert patch on their jersey. Like, Jersey ads, the minute the NBA did it, you knew it was going to, like, the only league that shouldn't think about doing jersey patches is the NFL because they are miles ahead of any other league in revenue. They don't need to worry about it. But the minute the NBA did it, it opened the door for the NHL to look at it. It opened the door for the MLB to look at it. My thought process is if if COVID doesn't happen, if they don't lose the amount of revenue that they lost over the last two seasons, two and a half seasons, if they don't do it, there's a reason why it's not mandatory. There's a reason why it's optional. It's the same thing with the helmet ads. It's optional. You don't have to do it because the NA, because Batman doesn't want a mandatory. He's going to allow the owners to do what they want to do because it's the owners who are pushing it. Yeah, as long as the NHL gets a piece of the pie, right? Yeah, and then personally, like they're not like they're not selling the jerseys with the patch on it because retailers aren't going to buy it. They know fans aren't going to buy that jersey, so retailers aren't going to go are going to tell Adidas like we want these jerseys, but we don't want the patches on them, just like how they did with Nike and their and the NBA patches. Like we want jerseys that don't have the NBA patch. On the jersey, like, on, or have the their team sponsor on mm-hmm. the patch. The NHL is going to do the exact same thing. They're not going to. They're going to give it an option. I guarantee you. Like Montreal's already doing it. Like buy one with the patch. But you don't have to. Yeah. So like, I mean, personally, I don't care. Like it's not going to affect the game. It's not going to affect the vision. Like you're not going to guarantee you. You won't. You you'll barely notice it on the ice. Just like how the helmet, like the helmet adds. You barely notice them while they're playing. Oh, on and sorry, my blood gets elevated because I always see people cry about the ads on Twitter, and it's like, <sighs> yeah, who yeah. cares? Like, oh, there's enough ads on the boards. Yeah, but you know what? Do you complain about the ads on the boards? No, then why not? Why don't you complain about those ads? Well, because it's on the jersey. Okay, but you see these those ads during gameplay all the time. Anyways, same thing with the jerseys. They're there, but you're not going to notice them unless you're paying attention. But like you said, maybe maybe COVID is the reason why uh, the NHL needs to make more of that money back or the teams need to make some of that money back. And and I wouldn't doubt if that's a, one of the primary reasons why they're doing it. But at the end of the day, again, 
you're going to get more fans in the stands because you're going to be able to bring up the salary cap. Um, you know, Leaf fans are going to want to sign every superstar player because every superstar player supposedly wants to play in Toronto. So, I mean, you know, but at the end of the day, here's another one. For example, Ottawa. If they got a Canadian tire patch on their jersey or sports check pa- uh, sport check uh, patch, as another team, sorry, as, as another retailer, you wouldn't want to sell that. Like, you know, like I'm not, I'm a Canadian tire and I don't want to sell a jersey that says sport check on it. So I, I, I mean, can see the whole. That's right. Okay, so like terrible. check for Hockey Life, Marks, <laughs> so, so, so that was a shitty, shitty example. But other retailers are going to want to sell jerseys with another no. another uh, company's patch. So I, yeah, I agree. You don't sell jerseys without patches. Beautiful, and players are going to wear it. I don't give a shit because at the end of the day, Connor McDavid is not going to miss that goal because you know he has shawarma friggin' thing on his jersey. Like who gives a shit? Yeah, my my one issue is that I do find that some of the patches just like obscenely large. Like Minnesota's patch, their jersey patch. Is ridiculously big. I don't understand why it has to be that big. Um, you know, I haven't seen it. I gotta look it up. Winnipeg Jets just announced their jersey patch, and like, I get the sizing can be probably a little bit smaller, but then it defeats the purpose of it, right? <laughs> like, oh um, yeah, hey, that but that was a tria. Yeah, the, the tria patch is enormous. Why? That looks like a Star Trek patch. You should be tapping it to talk to people or something. What the yeah, hell? I don't understand wow. why it's so big. So that I, I that I mean, at the end of the day, again, I don't give a shit. It doesn't affect anybody. But if you want to ugly your jersey this way, then that's entirely up to you. This is to me, this is a bit too much. Like, like, that's weird. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens come the new the new deal. Um because we all know that like Adidas after like two years isn't going to be making the jerseys anymore. Uh, so it's going to be interesting what happens with that. But back to the Atlantic. After talking about the after Montreal's debacle, Suzuki named captain, Gallagher and Edmondson were in the A's. I saw a lot of people, <clears throat> and and I admit I'm a Sens fan, right? But I saw even a lot of Sens fans be like, oh, he's they did him, you know, made him the captain so young and so soon and I'm like, it's the same thing as Brady. Brady got to see pretty fast, too, right out of the ELC contract. So I, I think Suzuki's going to be a good captain in Montreal. I think he's a talented player. I uh, I don't give a shit if he learns French, and people <laughs> should stop giving a shit if he learns French. If you could say the basics like a bonjour or, you know, je suis uh, Montreal Canadien, nobody should give a shit. But anyways, uh, yeah, Suzuki's going to be a good captain. He's a phenomenal player, uh, I mean- superstar. I called Suzuki captain when I saw him wearing the A. I'm like, this is your next captain because you're not like, they're not giving a 22 year old at the time an A without potentially giving him the C in like a year or two. I will say though, I was surprised they did it this season. Like, yeah, I thought they were going to go with three A's this year. Exactly. Like, I was expecting, like, because they're not expected to be very good, I expected they would kind of shelter Suzuki a little bit. And get, like, kind of like how they did with Kachuk. Like honestly, let's be real. Like Kachuk could have been named captain after his second, like heading into the nineteen twenty season, realistically. But they wanted to shelter him a little bit, not put all that pressure on him. Kind of surround them with vets to kind of answer the hard questions. I was expecting kind of the same with Suzuki, where like you wear the three A's, 
you have your vets like Gallagher and, and Edmondson kind of taking the, the brunt of the media. So your young player doesn't really have to deal with a lot of it. But Montreal is doing things differently now because we all know under Bergeron that would never happen. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think Suzuki is going to be a great captain. I'm interested to see how he does if the team is struggling. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I honestly thought maybe Galley would have gotten it. I mean, he's he's not young, but at the same time, like Montreal likes to have well, the veterans, I, I really right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So I thought they're going to give it to Galley. Um, you know, even as a short term fix, yeah, like it yeah. would make sense. Give it to him, and, and then pass the longevity. Yeah, people are like, well, longevity counts. I'm like, okay, but how long was Weber there? <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean, like, like longevity isn't isn't the only thing. You, you got to pick your captain based off the best. Yeah, that's like, also a weird thing. Like, I know they went last year without a captain with Weber, but like, it just kind of solidifies the fact that like Weber's career is done. When he was traded, I know it happened when he was traded because Montreal wouldn't have traded him unless they thought, like, if they thought he was going to play again. But like, that era is like over with Price not playing. Like, Weber, that run, that that cup run, seems so long ago now. Yeah, I feel I I hate it because Weber was always one of my favorite defensemen. I loved him in Nashville. Every time I buy the NHL game, I'd always trade for him, right? Or, but like, I'm I'm realizing nowadays that a lot of my favorite players my entire life are like no longer around, right? So like, yeah. I remember trading for like Robin Regeer and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I love you know, Regeer. He was so fun. He was, you know. Then goalie, it was um, um, Kaprasov or not Kaprasov. Jesus. Um, Oh my Kipper's god, off. the flame. Kipper's off, thank you. Wow. I had a yeah, I love Kipper. He was one of my favorites. You know what's crazy? Like, so I'm 25. I turned 25 this year. I'm the same age as McDavid and Matthews, and like most of that 2015, 16 draft classes. Seeing kids like Mason McTavish, Tyler Boucher, especially Tyler Boucher, because I like we we both watched his dad play. Mm. Like I've never felt like I don't even feel that old, but like going to a 60s and 70s game and watching these kids and cheering on these kids and being like, Oh, I'm a fan of this kid, it's a wild concept to me. I'm not even gonna lie. Like it's the same one thing with football and whatnot, is that I'm at that age where like I'm the same age as players in the league, and I'm watching kids who are like seven, eight years younger than me getting into the league, and I'm like, that's wild. Like Kachuk is is two years younger than me, and it's it's wild to think, and it's like, damn. So I'm closer to like I'm I'm almost Shea Weber's age. I'm just gonna stop there. She's gonna stop there. <laughs> um, like it's just, it's crazy. I'm just like wow, this is like one of the most like eye opening experiences where it's like wow, these kids like when McDavid was drafted, I'm like man like. I'm 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 his age, and then fucking seven years later, eight years later, I'm like, damn, it's crazy. I'm out here talking about kids who are like five years younger than me, and I'm like, oh my god. Um, which is I why you- I will never understand people shitting on kids, like like, and they're not even kids, like they're young adults. But like seeing some of the stuff that people say about these 19, 20, 21 year olds coming into the NHL and being called busts because they're not putting up 50, 60 points in their first year. Wild to me. 
absolutely wild. And that's the problem, right? Because everyone who's ever been like drafted the top three or whatever are big names that were thrown out there. They automatically assume they were going to develop first year superstar. They're expecting the McDavid, Crosby, Matthews, you know, stuff like that. That's what they expect. But people forget, man, like you need time to develop. People are already calling Byfield a bust. And I'm like, Dude, he hasn't even played a full season. Like, it's like sit down, sit, sit down. I feel Byfield was one like one of the more boomer bust prospects in that draft. Yep. But like he was also a project. Yeah. Like most people understood that he was like two to three years away from being even close to NHL ready. And like, I'm not even gonna lie, I think the best thing for Byfield was the fact that he didn't have to go back to the OHL during the 2021 season. Like, because there was no OHL season, he was able to spend an entire year in Ontario, play in the AHL, get that experience. And I think it was probably one of the best developmental things for him. And I hope on the next CHL-NHL agreement, they actually allow 19-year-olds who are OHL eligible or CHL eligible to have one or two of them possibly go to the AHL versus having to go back to junior. Hundred percent. Like, It'd be nice to see. There, there's definitely players that would be better off going to the A versus going back to the O or the W or the Q. Ridley Gregg was one of them. Yeah. So you know, arguably, arguably, you know, uh, McTavish was one of them. Yep. You know, he didn't spend a lot of his year in the O. To be fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> He learned everything he had to learn from the O. (laughs) Yeah, but like, you know, Mason McTavish is one of them. Arguably, you know, if they did go back, you know, Jamie Drysdale, Quinton Byfield would have been like, would have been those guys. Um, You know, there's, there's a lot of them where you look at and you're like, huh, I wonder if you guys went to the, and even like previous players where you're like, the O wasn't good for you. Or like the, the CHL wasn't good for you. But the NHL also wasn't good for you for a couple of years. The AHL would have been perfect. AHL and WHL, those are kind of the two leagues that, that I like to watch under NHL. So, Yeah, and hey, there's going to be a lot of eyes on the WHL this year. I know. A lot of eyes. I know. But uh, 10 minutes ago, we said, let's talk about the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> we We're just been pushing it off because everything I else is like good sidetracked. Um, uh, all right. Okay. So, so back to the Atlantic team. Who do you think improved the most in the Atlantic? Ottawa? And who do you think got worse? I'm not saying they're going to be the worst team. Just Toronto who's in Boston. So I don't mean like who's going to be. Okay. So you think those are the two that made either not enough moves and, or too many Boston, moves. Equipped. The only reason why Boston got worse is because Marchand and McAvoy are basically missing the first like two, three months of the season. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything to address it. I'm not sure how much room they have to address those issues and how you address those issues, but those are two key components to your team being missed. I don't know if they can sustain. Like if they, you know, we've seen it with Ottawa, bad October, bad November, you're out of the playoffs and you're chasing the rest of the way. Can Boston survive that? You know, Pittsburgh did a good job surviving the start of the year without Crosby and Malkin. They were able to get into the playoffs. I don't know if Boston has the depth to survive a long period of time without their best defenseman and they're arguably their best winger. Yeah. See, for me, Florida. Florida, I think, has 
as they let go of too much, they didn't add enough in return. Um, so for me, Florida's going to be that team that they're not going to be terrible. They're just, I just think they're going to be a lot worse off than they were last year because of that. Like they, they lost Uyghur, they lost uh, Huberdro, they, they gained Matthew Kachuk, which I mean, he's fun to watch. I've watched him a lot here in Alberta and he's fun to watch, but they, they lost more than they've gained. So to me, I think the team that's, that's gotten worse, uh, but again, not bad, not as in like worse in the standings, just they have, they're not as good as they used to be. Really. So Florida, and for me, the most improved team is going to have to be between uh, Ottawa. And I'm going to have to give something to Detroit, man. Detroit didn't do too much, but but still, man, like they've they're going to be good. Like they're scary. Um, you're you're on mute, brother. You're on mute. I'm just not convinced <laughs> with Detroit. You brought in Cobb, which solid middle six center. Not going to lie, like he's he's a he's a good player. You Huso? brought in Vili Huso, but Vili Huso hasn't proven anything. He had half of a good year. He was able to win the net over a struggling Binghamton and then lost the net in the playoffs. You know, we saw the same thing with Nadelkovic. Nadelkovic had a really good time in Carolina and then struggled. Nadelkovic had worse numbers than any Ottawa goalie. Which is saying something. Like, <laughs> I just, yeah, okay, arguably their, their team in front of them is better than they were last year. But it's a lot of it's a lot of vets, a lot of older guys. Can they be dominant? Sure. I mean, when you have Bertuzzi and Larkin, and Raymond has been playing well, yeah, sure, you have the the tools. I just look at that like their defense and their goaltending, and I'm like, they're so inconsistent. And I mean, you can say the same thing about Ottawa, but I don't know. I just I feel like when you saw Ottawa like that, those two matchups between or two or three matchups between Ottawa and Detroit. Where both teams were healthy, or healthy, mm. Ottawa kind of just wiped the floor with them. And like, say what you want, but when you have two rebuilding teams and one is clearly dominating over the other, I, I don't know. It, personally, just I'm not I'm not convinced Detroit has actually gotten much better. I think Buffalo is up there with Ottawa versus Detroit is, but that's just my my see. Thing. I, I I think I'm. Like I miss the days, man, where like when sadly Detroit was in the West, but like Detroit made the playoffs all the time. Ottawa made the playoffs all the time. Buffalo made the playoffs all the time. Like those were the teams. Tampa Bay was a bottom feeder. You know, Toronto was a bottom feeder, uh, which is how they got all their good players now by being bottom feeders for so freaking long. But I think when I think of like teams that are aging but are still phenomenal, Tampa Bay comes to mind for me because nobody's like old, but it's been the same names there for so long that you're like. Like how many more years before you guys start to break down like Stamkos, Kucherov? You know what I mean? Like it's going to be they, interesting. Like no, without McDonough, you lost Palat, you lost McDonough. There's some holes on that team that arguably weren't really filled. But I, th- I think Florida. Go ahead. Go for go it. No, go for it. I've always thought Tampa Bay has been really good at uh, plugging the holes that they've made during the off seasons. I've always felt that way. And I think this year was the first year where like people are, are underrating the losses that they, like the pilot players don't have anymore. And they're really like, Oh, it's fine. You know, they always plug it. But like, like you got Nick Paul, who's, who's replacing Matthew Joseph and Nick Paul was phenomenal for Tampa, but people need to realize that is the best Nick Paul's ever been. We don't know if that is Nick Paul all year round next season. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think this also gives credit to to what Cooper has done, right? Where that team feels confident that like you can put anyone in any situation and they will succeed, right? They've been able to to surpass certain injuries to to key players for long periods of time. Like, I think the toll of going to three straight finals catches up to them. I'm not even gonna lie, I think you'll see it catch up to them. I, I don't think, be I, but I don't think that's why they. Sorry, I don't think that's why they failed. Honestly, the number one reason why Tampa Bay did not win the Stanley Cup is Corey Perry. I mean, he's on the team again this year, so <laughs> I had to I mean, know. My, the curse my of Corey thing with Perry. Florida is like Huberto and Kachuk kind of wash each other out. Both hundred point players, both are going to play really well with Barkov. And most likely, I think Sam Reinhardt's going to be on that right wing. Mm-hmm. They're both going to play really well on that top line. There's no doubt about it. The biggest question is Mason Marchment is now in Dallas. And Uyghur is now in Calgary. Those two players were so underrated for that team. Those are two players that you look at and you're like, I wonder what kind of negative impact not having them is going to have defensively. Cause they were both Huge. very good. And then you also don't have Duclair, which I'm not going to lie. I don't think that's much of a loss. You benched him. Like he was benched in game four against Tampa. Can't really be much he, of a loss. If you bench you know, him. he, he lit up the season. Like Duclair is a phenomenal player and he's really fast and he lit up the regular season and, Maybe he was just out of gas by the time the playoffs came. He's still young, right? He's not used to playing deep playoff runs, so who knows? But I think my favorite um, thing about Tampa Bay and Florida both being good teams is how it's growing the game in Florida because, I mean, it's Florida. Florida, no one ever thinks of Florida as a market for hockey, but it really is. Like It's, I, it's like, turning into one. It really – like you watch the Tampa games, like, like – the. Stands are full. Florida used to watch them. I, I remember laughing and being like, "You got like eighteen fans in the stands." But like yeah. they're they're like pumping up people, man. Like it was really and fun I mean, to watch. They're even talking about a Florida outdoor game. Yeah, I mean, it would make a lot of sense to battle of Florida somewhere in, in Florida. I don't know how they'd make it work, but whatever. Do what you got to do. Maybe maybe it's a neutral area like they did in with Vegas, at like Lake Tahoe. So maybe it's a neutral site area. Yeah, um, maybe. But, I mean, they I did an outdoor game at the Rose Bowl. So, like, it's not out of this world. I'm 100% down with watching an outdoor Florida game. It would be sick. <laughs> it would be awesome. I think, so, Tampa, Boston, Florida all have, I mean, every team has a chance, like, a chance to regress. Like, that's not even a, a question, right? I think everyone can agree that, like, season to season, no matter who you have on your roster, you have that chance to regress it's there it's an option but honestly i think toronto might be one of those teams that like regresses and regresses hard if they don't get the goaltending that they need to win like they can have score a team that's not the issue but can they win those two one you know three two games i don't think they can with the goaltending they have in net no, and, and you, you can try and win 6-5 every game, but it's not going to happen. So, yeah, Toronto, I think goaltending is going to be a bigger question. I mean, last year, Campbell wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. But he's, I still think Campbell would have been a better option than both Samsonov and Murray. So Yeah, and I mean, if you're not willing to commit long, like, 
I think Freddie Anderson, keeping Freddie Anderson would have been the best choice of everything, but they didn't. He went to Carolina and up mm-hmm. until his injury was having a Vesna trophy like caliber season. Um, but I don't know. I feel like you have three teams, you have four teams, all have the chance of missing the playoffs. <sighs> Give me two teams that you think are more likely to miss the playoffs. Boston and Florida. I would have to agree. I don't like Bobrovsky. Haven't seen enough of Knight to actually like convince me that he's a starter. Maybe that changes this year. Maybe he does replace Bobrovsky as a starter. Um, but that defense, like you lose Uyghur, you lose your top pairing of Ekblad and Uyghur because Uyghur could play on the left side. Man, I don't know. I feel like Florida got a whole lot worse with that trade. Yeah, and honestly, for me, Boston, so every team that's really good eventually regresses because players get older, injuries, you know, whatever, they beat up a lot of the fun stuff. I think Boston, the big, big bad Boston Bruins are just not the same Bruins that they used to be. Uh, so I think they're going to take a serious step back this year. Uh, Florida, I, I'm looking – I was looking at their forward lines like a few weeks ago, and I, I honestly looked at that and I was just like, how does that even make the playoffs? Like how does that make the playoffs? It, it just made no sense to me. So I think, yeah, that's the two the two regressors, the worst ones for me. I think uh, – I think I don't want to say it, but I think Tampa Bay takes the division followed by Toronto. And then from there, it's just, it's just hell, Mary. It's kind of free for all, and you're on mute again. You keep hitting your mute button, bro. Uh, it's a gong <laughs> show, basically. Um, man, I look at this division and like, I, there's so many questions across the entire division. Like, realistically, you can't outside of Montreal, because like. It's Jake Allen, Caden Primo, and Montembeau. There are three goalies in Montreal this year. I'm sorry. None of those really strike confidence in me to be a playoff caliber team. Um, but let's playoff. be honest with ourselves. Hold on. Let's be honest with ourselves. When you look at the Atlantic, <clears throat> I think Tampa Bay is the only team with a legit goalie where you can be like, yep, this is a standing playing goalie. Yeah, but even their tandem, like I look at, like it's Brian Elliott in net, and he's like 38, right? I look at that, and I'm like, okay, so do you, is, is like, are you going to have Vasilevsky play like 60, 65 games? Can Brian Elliott give you 30 to like 35 games a season? Like, you know, and then you look at Boston where you have like Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson. As your two goalies, like is it is it sad to say that Detroit and Ottawa on paper, can like body of work where they're at in their stage of their career, have the third best goal, third fourth best goaltending tandem, possibly even second third, depending on how much you value Brian Elliott and then value <laughs> Bobrovsky and Knight, like. I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> like this goal, the goaltending in this division is 
question mark. Like, is Talbot going to have another 35-win season? Is Forsberg going to be able to keep up the pace he had last year? Who knows? Is Eric Comrie going to be a really good starter? Is Craig Anderson going to take over the net? What happens well, if one of them gets hurt? Like, <laughs> Will Matt Murray be the Penguin Stanley Cup winning champion goaltender again? Or will he just be constantly hurt? It, who's going to be the starter? Is Allmark or Swayman? Who's going to take over that net? Because neither of them seemed to want it last year. You know, there's so many goaltending questions in this division that, like, you can't, you can't, unless, outside of Vasilevsky, really, and I think everyone who listens to this can agree that Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the division. If not the NHL. Yeah, and, like, but there's really, there's, like, okay, a couple of guys who can steal the show, who can who can win games. But none of these goaltenders look like cup-winning goaltenders, unfortunately. No, no. You're, I mean, any team from the Atlantic that gets into the Stanley Cup Finals, if it is one of them, if it's not Tampa Bay, then you're a fan and you're just praying, just praying that your one-two punch is good enough to keep up with whatever team is on the other side of that ice. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like, it's realistically, it's not like the Metro is any like better, but they're they're definitely top heavy, right? I think you can argue that like uh Shesterkin, Freddie Anderson, Christian Jari are arguably the three best goaltenders in the division and three out of the four best goalies in the conference. Mm-hmm. I, so like but I like, think Metro has better Metro has better goaltending in the Atlantic and that's it though. Nothing else. I think if, we, if you did an, an Atlantic versus Metro All-Star team, uh, Atlantic versus Metro All-Star team, I think the, the Atlantic would kill them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I would agree. Um, but what are what are your top – before we head off, because we're hitting an hour, and, like, these, these conversations go by so quickly. Um, I got a conversation with someone at work today, one of my coworkers. He's like, why is the NFL's kickoff show – like three hours long. I'm like, because you can get diverted off track and talk about a topic that you weren't supposed to talk about for 10 minutes. And then the rest of your entire show is off the rails because you're not on schedule. And you only got like 10 minutes to talk about two things that you're supposed to like spend 20 minutes talking about. And it just goes off the rails. Even our first uh, episode, our first episode was like an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. And like, that was, I'm pretty sure you probably feel the same. That was really, I was really restricting myself from talking about a lot of things because I'm like, well, you can't put an entire seasons worth into one episode because, <laughs> like, we <laughs> yeah, could have run exactly. out of all time. Exactly. Um, but give me three storylines that, if you're a fan, if you're an outside fan, if you're not a fan of one of these eight teams, give me three storylines to watch. Or what would your three storylines be to watch if you're a fan from the outside that you would want to see happen? That I want to see happen, or I think might happen. Actually, you know what? Either it's or. Be the same. Uh, as a hockey fan, I'm, my answers are as a hockey fan. Okay, yeah. I want to see. I want to see Matthew score sixty five seventy. I really want to see that. I want to see the Ottawa Senators not just make the playoffs, but win at least the first round. And I. Yeah, yeah, are you exactly. sure that's a hockey fan and not a Sens fan? Well, no. It, as a as a hockey fan, when you see a team that's had so much adversity over the years, that sucks so bad, has gone through all the crap in the ownership. And just the shit they've dealt with as a hockey fan in general, you look at that team, and I'm pretty sure if you're speaking without a biased thought, 
from from another fan base. You look at that team and you go, they deserve it. They've done so well. You want to see them succeed. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so that's my second one. And then my third, um, I want to see you know what? I want to see Lucas Raymond. I want to see Lucas Raymond pot 30 goals this year. I want him to get 30 goals and 60 assists. I want to go for 90 points. That's what I want to see. I'm a huge that, that, Lucas Raymond fan. Huge. That's uh that's a bold prediction. 90 points for Lucas Raymond. Whew. Oh, we'll see, it's man. Be- Thank you. He's a star, dude. He's a star. He's a star, He's a star who calm who who calmed down after the uh after the calendar flipped over. Um we'll see. <laughs> what about you? What's what's your so, three so my you my see? three? If I'm an outsider looking in on this as a hockey fan, the Battle of Kachuk. They only play yeah. each other three times, but it's gonna be a constant storyline about where Florida is, where Ottawa is, what their individual stats are. Like it's gonna be a constant battle all year without them even playing each other. It's gonna be constantly like you know, Matthew Pot is up at like 60 points while Brady's up at like 57. Like it's gonna be constantly talking about because we're in the division, playoff battling, like hopefully playoff battling come the trade deadline and after the trade deadline. It's going to be so interesting to watch that those storylines. Could, could you imagine Brady versus Matthew playoffs? Exactly. Holy like, shit. And, and that's exactly what I think. Like They're going to go in. Like, if they're playing meaningful hockey, which hopefully both teams are, they're jogging for a position 2-3 two, two, in that Atlantic division or 1 in the Atlantic and then a wild card. Like, if there's a possibility of a Florida-Ottawa first-round matchup, it's going to be talked about, and it's going to be talked about until it doesn't happen or it does happen. So they, that's number one a, for me. They have a family group chat, so I guarantee you if that happens, mom and dad are both going to be like, play nice, boys. Yeah. like I, I'm excited for it. I, I want to see it. That's a good one, Shane. I don't even think of that. That's, that, that's a good one, man. Keep going. I, I'm, I'm excited for you second. What's the next one? Next one? Honestly, I, I hate to say it, but I think – Boss, oh, I don't even hate to say it, but like it feels bad saying it. How does Bergeron and Krejci do as a one-two pairing, given their age and circumstances? I feel like a lot of fans are gonna watch. Like it's gonna be that slow regression, and you're and you're just gonna notice it. And you're like, man, like you guys just like the f- shell of your former selves. And like I hope it doesn't happen. I, I hope it doesn't. But I think it, that's a storyline to watch. How does how do Krejci and Bergeron handle this season? How do they go about this season? If they do regress, how bad is it for for Boston? Okay. And the next one, it's a two parter, and I know it sounds really bad, and it's probably going to sound like a homerism to the max, but it's not. You want to see if Toronto signs David Aries? <laughs> I mean, that'd be funny. Um, the Brinkat popping fifty goals. Stutzla hitting a hundred points. You know, it's honestly like I know. It, I know. It'll probably if you're a listener and you're like, "Oh, he's just being a Ottawa homer." I'm not. Like, it, you need to understand how good Stutzla is and who he's been playing with. You know, he played with Connor Brown and, and Nick Paul for a majority of last season. Then he played with Matthew Joseph and, and Alex Formanton. Who, no offense to those guys, they're no Alex to bring at. You know. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to lie. Like, 
if I'm an outsider and I want to watch, like I want to watch that duo because that duo, arguably, is isn't better. I'm not going to say they're better because they're not, but they're in the realm of like the McKinnon and Landeskog, Matthews, Marner, McDavid, Drysital. Like they have that potential to be in that that realm of duos. Yeah, to me, I look at it, it's, it's like McDavid, McDavid, Drysdale, Matthews are kind of that top tier, and then you go down to like the McKinnons, uh, and then you're gonna talk to, to Brinkett, uh, guys like that, Marner. But uh, that's kind of how I see it. the two tiers go like that. Yeah, and like I, I'm just really excited to see how that, and like obviously Giroud's gonna play a huge factor in that, but like watching those two and like with how everything's gone with Ottawa, like if you're not a hot, if you're a hockey fan, you have to be at least somewhat interested in how this season plays out for Ottawa. I, you know, I want to ask you a question. I forgot to ask you this uh, last episode. Do you think there's ever conversation of Chara trying to sign a one year with Ottawa? To just no. to do the full, just to do the full circle. No, no. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. I, I think, Ottawa, there, there's no benefit to it. And honestly, people and, and Char was never people always go like always think that Char was such a huge long term piece in Ottawa. He actually didn't play very long in Ottawa. Like three years. Like yeah, three and and like years. Four, yeah, like less than four seasons. Like he was a big part in Ottawa, but he was never like that emotional attachment probably isn't there compared to Boston, like Boston. the team he captain for so long, and the Islanders the team that you know drafted him. Yeah, and like I'm not even gonna lie. I'm not even the biggest chair fan. Like straight up, I I never thought he's he's arguably. I will give him credit. He is arguably probably one of the smartest players I have ever watched play. His oh, hockey absolutely. IQ is off the charts. He'll outsmart you and beat the shit out of you in the same play. But he was never the most skilled, and like he was just extremely was smart. His skating was horrible. His positioning wasn't that good. You actually. But he had the reach, and it didn't need to be that good. And he had his hockey IQ, so he understood that, like, because of his reach, he didn't need to be in a hundred percent perfect position. But that's what, but that's what great ones do, right? They know they use their strengths to cover their weaknesses. Do you think exactly? Charles a Hall of Famer, right? Without a question. Oh, oh, hundred percent. Without like, a question. I'm not even okay. argue that. But personally, okay. people yeah. talk about how Charles is this great, fantastic brute defenseman. He he wasn't, and like. When you're Ottawa and you're making that choice between Redden and Chera, and you have Volchinkov, you have Phillips, who are arguably at the time better defensemen, like actually defensive defensemen, who are they? They, they were better than Chera. You didn't really have like you had Mazaros, you had a young Brian, like you, you had a, a teenager and Brian Lee. You didn't have enough puck moving defensemen. Was Potsy there at the time too? Uh, I can't remember, but yeah, but like, I think Chara was. Okay. Uh, I my best memory of Chara was watching him ragged all the shit out of Vinny Lecavalier. <laughs> I loved watching that. Um, my my favorite memory of Chara was when they beat him in a fight. Uh, I, I people <laughs> never believe me when I say that, right? Especially the generation you see on Twitter nowadays. They're all like, "Oh, that never happened." And then you send the video, and they're just like, "They don't reply." Yeah, <laughs> like, it's you like beat him in a fight. <laughs> Yeah, because Chara just he was, and like this isn't to discredit Chara. Like I, I have nothing but respect for the player. I have nothing but respect for the man. He's a fantastic human being. But when I look at Chara and I look at what he's done in his career, 
and like the fact that he was able to play into his 40s like fantastic this dude's a like phenomenal player in that sense but like i watch him and you're like if he was shorter like if he wasn't six seven six eight almost seven feet on skates he wouldn't have been in the lead that long if you put him in like a six three body he would be out of the league in like the early 2000s you think so yeah yeah 100 guaranteed the minute he hits like third, like he he's the mark because Markov, just as just as good defensively, just as smart defensively, he was out of the league in like 2015, 2016, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. When they no, Montreal was trying to like cleanse itself of all the Russians, mm-hmm. like and maybe that's by choice. Maybe he just he only wanted to play in Montreal. He didn't want to play anywhere else. But I look at I look at Chara. I'm like, if you're like six three, maybe six four, or like shorter, he doesn't have the career he has, and that, that's like my one, my one talking point when talking about Chara. It's that it's like if he wasn't his height, he wouldn't have had the career he did. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. Well, right, I guess. I mean, we'll never uh, know. It's just, it's just an opinion. Obviously, we'll never know. We can't, you know, exactly. track him and send him back in time. But it's just my opinion that like. He wouldn't have had the career. Um, but before we sign off, I do have a question for you. Yo. When you're talking about the greatest player in a team's history, and we have and it happens a lot with sentence like sense talk, and I've seen it in other like teams. What's more important? Longevity or total career? If you're talking about like the best players to ever play for well, a team. When he said, okay, so do we say total career? Do you mean like international and everything or just NHL career? For this, we'll just say NHL career. Oh, that's tough. Because when I think of like, when I, th- I like, I'm thinking of um, Getzlaff, for example. Like that guy was the ultimate, like he longevity, Stanley Cup winner. He put up points. He did the dirty. He did everything. Same with like, but he would be, like, he'd be probably like top five. If you ask most Ducks fans, he's probably top five in the team history, right? Yeah, hundred percent. He's not probably top. He's probably the first. Um, yeah, I mean, he's probably up there with like Solani and Korea and arguably yeah, like yeah. Pronger and Niedermeyer. But like, I see it a lot with Ottawa with Dominic Hasek, and like he only played one year. You know, a lot of a lot of fans are like, "Oh, he's the best goaltender to ever, like to ever play for Ottawa." And I'm just curious on what your take is on like distinguishing between a personal, like a, an individual team career versus a full career of what they've accumulated accolades wise and stats wise across their whole career when it's in terms of like best players. So I I think I think you gotta look at career. Because I mean Wayne Gretzky was arguably the best ranger ever. But was he though? Exactly. Career-wise, like, he was the I, best ranger, but not the best ranger. Yeah, because like the way I look at it is I'm like, does that mean like Aginla is arguably one of the best, you know, uh, Avalanche, or is oh, yeah. it's Ray Rourke one of the best Avalanche players? You know, and that's just the way I look at it. It's like, is Solani one of the best San Jose players? Played like yeah. two years in, in San Jose, that's but true. he didn't like. 
that's how I look at it. So I'm just curious on like your take. And I mean, if you're listening to this and you want to get in on this, let us know. Let us know on Twitter what your take is on how you view best players in franchise history. Is it full career or is it team career? Yeah, Luke was Carlson the best for for Ottawa. I mean, I don't know. Just yeah. No, that's a like, tough thing. Like, it also like okay, does that mean Berdur is the best goaltender in St. Louis history because he played like right? a handful of games? But he was one of the best goaltenders. Okay, so I I think you have to look at it as as your career. You can't be like Hasek was the best player in Ottawa history. Like he played there, but like I think you have to. It's what made you a mark on the team, team career, right? Like yeah, you have to base it off it, of what he did with the team and like how long he played with the team. So yeah, so Hasek may have been the best goalie in the NHL to ever play for Ottawa, but he was not the best goalie to play for Ottawa. Yeah. You know I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, exactly how I look at it. Right. Like career wise, he probably had the best career, but no one's going to say that Kovalev was one of the best senators of all time. Right. Like no one, no one's, no one's going to straight up be like, Oh yeah, Kovalev's the best senator of all time. That's like saying friggin' uh, Eric Lindros is one of the best Toronto Maple Leafs of all time. Or Jeremy Roenick is you know like there there's so many players that you could use Ian, the Ian Cole was the Ian Cole was the best defender for the Ottawa Senators of all time. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like they're saying Joe Thornton's the, one of the best Leafs of all time. Yeah I see what you're saying. Yeah no I see what you're saying. Um all right, let's quick. for thought that's food for thought for our listeners on right. to, to you okay if I just give a quick day. shout out to somebody you go with that uh, I don't, if you want to give a shout out, you can give a shout out. Yeah, I'm not over wanna, there. Okay, no, I just want to give a quick shout out to the Hockey Focus. Uh, they're their own website, but they're also a, a podcast website who we've recently joined. Who's going to help us grow? We want to help them grow. Uh, check out; they have a bunch of podcasts on their website. Uh, we are a Thirteenth Man podcast, first and foremost. So that is home for us. Um, but this is extended family. Who, like I said, we've joined their podcast network. Who we're going to help each other grow. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's a good thing for everybody. And I think it's going to be a killer season uh, between everybody. So, yeah, I mean, I'm we're we're happy to join whatever accounts we can to to get the name out there. Um, honestly, we're also going to be. I think uh, Bet Nine Nine has their own uh, podcast platform that you'll be able to watch, like listen to us too. Every the episodes will release Tuesday. They'll be released, I believe, thir- uh, Wednesday on theirs. Um, as well as the 13th Man's podcast uh, channel as well. So plenty of ways to find our content at this point. Um, yep. Are you a gambling man? Because I'm a betting man. I, I betting have man. dabbled in the bets, um, one can say. If you're going to go create a Bet99 account, don't forget to use the sign-up code of 13th Man Sport one Yep. Get it done. It's a, hey, hey, football season's going on. Week two's ending up. NBA season's around the corner. NHL season's around the corner. NCAA, basketball, football, hockey are all happening. Football's already started. Basketball and hockey are within the next couple of weeks. So a lot of, lot of sports a lot of sports going on that you can um, win some money on. Let's get her done. Let's get her done. Um, but, yeah, we'll catch you here on next time on, the, on a new episode of Top Corner Hockey Talk next week. And but yeah, let us know on Twitter what you think of the best player debate. Also, let us know how you feel about the jersey ads and what your what your expectations are for your teams. Uh, but next week we will catch the we will talk about the Pacific and the Central, uh, and those two are also very exciting, especially the Pacifics. Yeah. Oh yeah. So 
that's going to be fun. So stay safe, guys, and we'll catch you later.